0: You're listening to Rebel Radio. Do dope shit. Oh, just keep talking. Just talk.
1: Oh, hello. 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 One. One. Two. Two. Three. Ooh. Okay, so this is a good distance. Yeah, you're good. I can hear you. Pretty I haven't good. had to hold
0: these microphones ever because we Normally, had the we had the mic stand. Let's just pretend. Here's the mic stand. Hope this isn't distracting. Imagine if you, <laughs> we should have brought Kelly. Kelly, can you hold this? Yeah, she's just holding the mic the entire um, time.
1: I'm a, I feel a little loud. Turn yourself down then. This is my Italian passion coming out.
0: There we go. We, we need to look somewhat similar in wavelength.
1: That's yours. This yeah. is mine. Okay. Yeah, we're good. <clears throat> okay. Um, should we start? You start whenever you want, man. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's cracking. This is the second episode of Rebel Radio. I am your host, founder of Common, Michael Patella. Welcome back. And today, you know what? Something feels off here.
0: It does feel off.
1: Tyler, hit the damn intro.
0: Welcome back to the Full Depth Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Ray, joined with, as always, by Handsome Mike, Michael Patella on the mic. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Tyler Ray here, the host of the Full Depth Podcast with Handsome Mike on the mic, and we are here at Sweat. Fitness and performance. Our new home. Doesn't that feel nice? It's a little bit reminiscent of a of a period of our life that brings back a lot of fond memories.
1: Now, for those of you that don't know, probably don't know, because I've I've gotten quite a bit of followers since then. Um, Tyler and I used to run the Full Depth podcast uh, back in 2016. I don't
0: even know the years anymore. I feel like the last two years have created some sort of hole in time space that i have no idea what year it is so
1: it's funny that we're doing this now because i've been getting a lot of facebook memories of our podcast way back then from like 2016 send them over
0: i feel like i don't get enough good like i get great memories but not enough memories that allows me to really take that journey yeah yeah i mean send them
1: over yeah it, it was it was a fun time so i'm i'm here with tyler ray he's my good friend my good buddy my confidant my homie Hi. My everything. Oh, wow. That's a little weird.
0: Like a boys to men song. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: different. I'm, I'm not going to start singing on this podcast. Thank you. Uh, yeah, but Tyler Ray is the uh, world-renowned leader in jump training, jump technique, jump all-star, uh, <laughs> owner of Project Pure Athlete. And <clears throat> um, like he's, he's, he's one of the goats of, of, of dunking and jumping and technique and all that stuff. So we're going to get through that. Uh, and we're also going to talk and reminisce about our podcast—the good moments, the bad moments, the fun moments, the obscure <laughs> moments, the weird. We had a lot of weird moments. I feel like just being around us is weird. Yeah.
0: That's it, it. This. I, this is this is fun. Yeah. That you, that you are running the show.
1: Does it feel weird that, that I'm get, running the show and you're not? No, it feels great. Yeah. It feels great. I'm happy just to hang out. I've I've always been in your shadows. Not because I'm well, short. I was going to say physically. Like from a, anyway, we'll move past that one. Yeah, please. (laughs) Um, So the Full Death podcast, we had it um, back in 2015, 2016, I believe. Talk to us about how it started, why we got the podcast.
0: If I remember correctly, that was around the time that we kind of somewhat joined forces in a sense to, at the time, uh, to try to grow scale, sweat, fitness, and performance,
1: no, I want to say it was before that. Was it before that? Oh, yeah, it you was
0: before that. No, 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 you're, you're, you're completely right. See, this is my, I got a great memory. This is why I need Facebook. Uh, but you're right. This was before that. We had reconnected, if I'm not mistaken. We had reconnected. Mike and I knew of each other um, from our university days. We didn't, like, we weren't boys back in university. We knew of each other. We had mutual understanding and respect of each other, but it was, you know, I think we just kind of went and did our own thing. I dropped in at one point. I think I reached out to you and and dropped in at the gym and we had an opportunity to kind of reconnect and I think figure out who we both were at that time. And I think we kind of hit it off in a lot of ways in terms of the the people we were uh, in that moment of our lives. And I think it was just in conversation that we were like, hey, all of these chats that we're having right now, I think would make a great podcast. And at that time, locally, there were no fitness podcasts. There's none. We were the the local pioneers of the fitness space in terms of podcasting,
1: and even like it, it seems so like little ago, like four years ago, it doesn't seem that 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 long. But from like a mm-hmm. podcast and content creation mm-hmm. is a world like beyond um, like time distance, right? Absolutely. So like i don't even remember that there was any other podcast other than like barbell shrugged was big then that was like a big inspiration i think for us like
0: i know we both listened to barbell shrugged i'm trying to think of anything like mark bell had the podcast at that point um but but not a lot of other ones were still relatively infant
1: yeah so it's kind of cool that we pioneered the local area and even like i'll still meet people today saying oh man like you had the full death podcast i used to listen to that i'm like what i'm like i thought nobody listened to that podcast but i guess it was
0: and at that point, it really wasn't the point in my mind, anyway. <clears throat> I know it wasn't about like oh, I just want this to be like billion views. It was just a, it was a therapeutic outlet mm-hmm. for me, anyway. Like I, if anybody's met me before, like I don't mind talking. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice to do that, you know, big info dump and and just chat. Yeah, it was for nice. You,
1: yeah. I mean, I think for me, it it was a it was a educational thing for me, more in the sense of like learning my voice, learning my message, learning like just how to just how to speak in front of a camera. Because if anybody speaks in front of a camera or speaks in a microphone, it can be quite intimidating. And I remember, you know, like early on, so anybody that knows me, I'm a very hot-headed, passionate Italian, and I speak very quickly, especially when I'm passionate about something. Very quickly. And so I remember, like, early on for the first five years. It was, like, the first 10 to 20 episodes i think it was that you were trying to learn how to pace yourself right and so in my mind i'm like yeah this is perfectly normal pace I'm talking quite slow speed. actually and then <laughs> every five minutes i would get this from tyler yeah. putting my hand yeah. like
0: bring bring it down a bit
1: um so like for me it was a big stepping stone into just learning how to speak my cadence how to how to structure my sentences and like you would think well mike like you can't speak in real life well it's it's a little bit different and it's intimidating with a camera on, and like you're on the spot then and there, right? Like we, like we don't edit this, we don't, right? Like we're not even structuring the podcast. We're just talking as we go, right? So completely agreed.
0: And <clears throat> it, it is something that takes a while. I've been on camera and a microphone for years and years and years, even prior to that. So well, I, I remember, even,
1: like even before like you and I reconnected, mm-hmm. like we followed each other on social media, had you on Facebook, and I would always see your YouTube stuff and like your your dunking stuff, and you would talk about exercises back in like 2007 yeah eight right and i'm like look at this guy i know well i, I look back and i'm like look at this guy look <laughs> right. well, so it's so super I. cringe
0: oh i know it's like 22 23 year old tyler is even more cringe than 37 listen year old tyler. i
1: was cringe up until last year so <clears> you know um but yeah so so we we had the podcast we we had some pretty great guests on there who was who was the one guest that you had a blast with? Like, like who was the one that you're like, yeah, this, this one was good?
0: I think that, like, the day we spent with Pat in um, Toronto was fun. Pat Vellner, you know, one of the top two fittest individuals in the entire world, spent a lot of time in in Toronto, and we connected via Instagram, which is cool. I mean, at at a certain point, it was like, why not just reach out to a handful of, of larger named athletes. And at that time, I was a little bit more invested in the world of CrossFit. So Pat Vellner seemed like a perfect opportunity to get a, you know, a larger audience. And he was a blast. It was fun to kind of debrief the CrossFit games that had just happened. So I think that was fun.
1: Yeah, and he's a very cerebral guy, right? So like mm-hmm. the way he breaks down the games and his training was actually very interesting to see. So like while it was a CrossFit podcast, we got to know Pat the Human and Pat, you know, like the training guy and, and you know, his his chiropractic schooling. And I think now he's working as a chiropractor. At yeah, the he's time he West in West now. Yeah. yeah, he's in BC, I think. So in the BC. Shout out to Pat Vellner. Patty Velney alert, if anybody watches the buttery bros. Yeah. Um, link it right here. No, right? no, we're not sponsored by them. Um, yeah, so he was fun. And I think just like that road trip was fun because we went to um, Toronto to meet with Pat. And then we drove all the way to Ottawa to meet with um, Paul Tremblay, another CrossFit um, goat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that was fun. Who was also fun.
0: I mean, it was cool because with each of those uh, guests, we did some kind of non-traditional content with pat we played some horse played some basketball we high jumped which was super random like the gym that he uh, was in had a high jump set up like inside yeah. which i thought was like super cool which so, i was not good at <laughs> it was nice because i was a quite a bit better than pat at high jump yeah, yeah. uh and horse which is cool as yeah. well so i was like man you're a thousand times fitter than i am but don't mess with the, me and horse
1: the two sports i suck at
0: well we, i mean we were gonna do soccer but I'm just kidding. We were never, never. gonna do soccer. No, nobody
1: had a soccer ball. I had one in my trunk, just waiting. And
0: then with Paul, we went to the driving range.
1: Yeah, which was a lot of fun. And I, as well. and I still sucked. But so you, like, but that's not a point, right? Like you, yeah. you just embraced it. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, made, made for that, funny oh, content. I just enjoyed the the restaurants and the hangouts after the podcast. That's it. That's why I did it. That's why so I did it. But yeah, that was that was a really good time. Um, another guest that we had on. Uh, Dr. Jordan Shallow, known as the muscle doc online. The musliest doctor. And what's cool is that, so, like, back then, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I remember um, you were texting me. You're like, hey, we're having the muscle doc on. I'm like, who's who's this guy? He's like, oh, he's from Windsor. You know, he's he's up and coming. I'm like, all right, let's have him on. Um, and, and what was cool is that I just reconnected with him probably in the last year again. Um, and he was telling me that was his first podcast he's ever done it was ours. We broke his podcast, Cherry. So, I mean, like... I don't want to take credit for his success. I will. <laughs> if, um, if one of us has got yeah, to do it, right? Like he, he made his name on our podcast. Yeah, no, he's no. he's a phenomenal um, proprietor of the
0: industry. Like he's do, he's done a lot to forward um, fitness and, and strength conditioning and coaching and.
1: So I, I recently just took um, Prescript uh, Level One and Level Two this past year, and man, like it blew my brains and how smart this guy is and how he. He takes very difficult concepts in training and he makes them very accessible to the layman, to the novice coach, to, to me who's been in the industry for 15 years. Like I have learned stuff that I may have touched on here and there, but the way he packaged it was just amazing.
0: He had talked about it briefly, I think, when we first met with him that he was discussing starting or had just started pre with his partner. Yeah. It was kind of just more of a... The, you know, the culmination of all the hard work prior and it was just starting to release at that point. So to see it kind of starting to run its course is, yeah. is quite I, nice. I,
1: I'm super pumped to see what he, what happens in the next five years with him and, and Prescript because it's, it's one of like, the leading edges of, of fitness. I think he's doing it really well. Um, and I'm proud to be part of the Prescript community. I think it's, it's a really great community of coaches that, um, that want to help people and we help each other. And it's just a really good network of people that I think um, that care which is first and foremost the important thing with with this industry.
0: Yeah, and I think being surrounded by a group of individuals that are kind of pursuing that similar passion of yours and and have that similar mindset is going to be um, instrumental in your Mm. continued growth. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, I'm sure people want to hear about the good stuff of of the podcast, but I think what, what our audience and what our viewers and listeners really want to know more about is were there any guests, any, any podcasts that we did that we thought we were going to be really, really great. And then we were like, man, that was kind of a dud.
0: Yeah, I, I think <laughs> we had 50 some odd episodes. Yeah, we had quite a bit. So within 50 episodes there were most definitely ones that I enjoyed doing more. And there were most definitely podcasts that, you know, during and after uh, I had other thoughts on some in the middle as the host of a podcast, as you bring on a guest, I think it's important to understand that part of that responsibility is keeping the pace of the podcast moving in the right direction, right? Your your job is to create and sustain momentum, but it's very difficult to sustain momentum when there's not much coming back in the opposite
1: direction. So one thing that I did love about you being the host of, of the podcast and me just being the face of it was that if, if the conversation wasn't going that well and it was like a one word yes or no answer, I didn't have to do anything. I was like, I'm just here for the face. <laughs> I would look at Tyler and Tyler would just start speaking. But I, I always know when Tyler, Tyler bullshits because he, he just has a face about him when he bullshits. And nobody can really notice but me because I've seen him bullshit a lot but like it was just like, like in my head i was laughing cuz i'm like this guy's trying to find the words and like he's never at a loss for words right like you, like you can come out with words i and, have all the words right but to see you with the loss of words and they, like just can't come out it's pretty comical for me at least for me um but at the end of the day really all i care about is whether or not you're having a yeah, good time, that's, that's, and that's why you're back on my podcast, I appreciate episode that. two. I want, I want you to make. I'm hoping good.
0: that you can make my career too like. <laughs> I hope that
1: start like getting on here, catapults me. Listen, my goal with you on here is yeah. to is to give you all the followers and all the audience that you, you deserve. I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate um, you. Yeah, I mean, the, the the podcast was really fun. I think I think the, the the most fun part that we had was that you and I just got to hang out. Right. Like outside of the cameras, outside of the guests. And like, I think it really fortified our, our friendship even more because we just got to hang out and talk to each other and really get to know each other because we were pretty transparent on that podcast. And like, I don't think not, not many podcast hosts have that because it's, it's difficult to have that connection. But it seems like we just had it right off, right off the bat, it seemed like. Chemistry. Chemistry, baby.
0: Chemistry. That was a lot of the feedback we got um, on the full depth through our iTunes reviews, through individuals just kind of sharing their experiences with the full depth was that like you have good synergy, you work well, you mm. balance each other well. Um, and at the end of the day, you just, you know, are a- authentically yourself, mm. right? Organic. I think, yoga, I, think we had pod- I think we had a podcast about that. Yeah. I think so too. Be your authentic self. Your, I can't, I don't understand how to be anything else. Um. So
1: that's that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um. So we so we had the podcast It was about what, 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 four years, maybe that we had it, maybe a little bit less. Again, like I told you, like
0: I feel like it's, I don't even know what one, year. it's it's, yeah. it's just like it happened.
1: It's one big blur. So we we started the podcast um before you transitioned um into sweat. So for for anybody that that watched or listened to episode one, I went through my backstory as as to how. I had uh, Sweat Fitness and Performance and at the time we had the podcast about a year before you joined forces with me and the whole goal um, for you to join forces with Sweat was to pretty much help us scale and and sort of manage the influx of members that we had coming in and manage the staff, right? So I brought Tyler on as our general manager and together like in synchronicity we, could, we really had a good chemistry of bringing on really good quality clients that till this day are are one of my closest clients right so um talk to me about the transition from you know like you were doing your stuff on your own and then you kind of joined like the crossfit realm a little bit you did some coaching there and then you joined sweat as a general manager but then you're also working um, on your own business so kind of like talk me through that journey of of (coughs) switching and, and what made you do that yeah uh so i have a i have
0: a pretty diverse background of of exposure to training and coaching. So this I started personal training when I was 19 and kind of throughout the earlier part of my 20s I spent a lot of time in like the commercial gym setting kind of, you know, getting my feet wet by doing the the classic you know, get as many clients as possible, train people whenever you could, right? You had the five in the morning clients and then you had the seven at night clients and you worked a shake desk the entire day serving, you know, banana, strawberry shakes, um, to kind of pass the time. And as I transitioned kind of out of that realm, I had at that time, kind of begun my journey into the professional dunk scene and people like what is that scene and it's actually much more well known now within the athletic realm and it was essentially a show dunker I did like halftime shows and 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 dunk contests for money and appearances around the world and it was essentially just
1: jumping really high and and doing that in front of crowds of people. Well I remember uh, working at the St. Dennis Center at the University of Windsor in the field house and I would um, do like the event setup, and and I would just stand there and kind of, I wasn't security, but I was kind of just managing the the field house. He's humble. He was he was the muscle. He <laughs> was the muscle. And I and I remember just standing there. I'm like, who's this guy fucking dunking? on the basketball court while you were doing your, like back then you were doing your, your, your track, your track, your track practice. Right. But like you were done your track practice after a couple hours there and then like you'd grab the basketball with the basketball guys and you would just start dunking. I'm like, who is this guy? Like I knew of you, but I'm like, why is he, why is he doing this? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat. And then so that, that you made like a career out of that or at least, I mean, yeah, you did.
0: Yeah. Essentially it was you know, I started my own business. Um, the first kind of iteration of my business back in 2008 was a company called Project Vertical, which was, I. people would ask me like, how do you jump higher? And I had been training for so long and I'd kind of taken a, a couple years of sampling styles of training and programming to figure out how to amplify my vertical. Like I was already a pretty talented athlete at that point with the track background, but really never attacked jump training specifically. uh, So I had spent about 18 to 24 months focused entirely on how do I get my number? How do I, my vertical jump? How do I raise my body higher off the ground? And I did add about 11 inches of vertical in about 18, 19 months.
1: What was your total highest vertical you've ever
0: achieved? My highest official recorded vertical at a volleyball combine was 47 and a half inches. Now, I have plenty of footage and ex- and experience to justify that I jumped higher at times. So I always say when people, you know, what was your max vertical? It was 48 inches, so four feet, which really puts me into some rarefied company mm-hmm. um, over the years. There's a lot of very talented athletes nowadays that jump higher than I jumped, but I, I have that confidence of knowing that what I teach now and what I coach is something that I not only understand but I I felt. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a huge part of of being able to allow me to ascend into the ranks of, of coaching kind of globally so
1: so like so 2008 2009 ish like you're you're like you're jumping pretty high um, you know like you're you're, you're a track athlete a, a decathlete a pretty decent one at best I mean like I imagine like you were pretty good like, you were, what, I top? was I was I was good I, I would say that I was you know
0: top 10 kind of Canadian athlete in, in my field. I had the pleasure of training with a local kind of phenom athlete, Jamie Ajete Nelson. Shout who, out to Jamie. Jamie's the man. He was a roommate of mine for many years, a training partner of mine for my entire time at the university. And he was somebody that was an incredible role model uh, as to what really was required to be an elite athlete. And I would say at that time in my life, I didn't have the, the habits and skill set to equate to become that like elite athlete, which is why following track and field is when I really became a much more seasoned athlete. Mm -hmm. But no, Jamie was an exceptional role model to to have, and it allowed me to perform at probably a higher level than I would have if I had gone elsewhere.
1: Yeah, for sure. So like you, you finished your, your track career, you went into like the dunk scene, but like to go back to like that time, like you couldn't just Post your stuff on Instagram and be seen with the hashtag because like Instagram back then wasn't it wasn't around it wasn't around right like you had YouTube that was, it was just starting just out. starting out right like and I described it in episode one like like we started the in, the in the in the industry when like YouTube was just coming out right so nobody right. really had that footage so how did you go from like this guy who did track at University of Windsor mm-hmm. could jump you know right and, and and you just felt that that innate ability to jump high how did you get into the dunk scene like how did you get noticed so I watched
0: a channel on youtube at that point which at that point was one of like two channels in the world that posted dunkers it was called team flight brothers and team flight brothers is still owned uh, by a friend of mine chuck milan uh, out of florida and it was these these guys were just unbelievable like they were alien athletes that were jumping and putting their head at the rim and doing dunks that you know nba players would dream of doing and i thought i want to do this so badly and i could dunk It wasn't anything exceptional at that time and that's why I put that work in over that almost two-year period of time to be able to kind of elevate myself even higher and after that hard work of 18 plus months I recorded myself one day I put a a camera out this had followed about a week prior I was out after a track practice and the University of Windsor men's basketball team was finishing up a practice and their guys were uh, dunking they were just trying to dunk and a lot of them could dunk so I was getting closer and closer to the court because I was well, obviously drawn in.
1: Well, and these guys were like six foot, three, four, five, yeah, six. Yeah, they right? ranged like, anywhere from probably like my
0: height or just a little bit taller up into you know six foot ten type but, of range. Like the
1: Allen brothers were what six? But yeah, 10? they were six eight to yeah, six so ten. two like big boys. And you're what six one, six two? I in in like
0: my shoes, I I'm six one. Yeah, so I'm six footer um, when I'm asked. But yeah, it was. I was getting closer and closer to watching them because I was just fascinated by it. And uh, I was warm from track practice. I was wearing my running shoes, which are not really looking back the appropriate shoe to jump in on a basketball court. But I called for the ball and they reluctantly like passed me the ball. (laughs) Like, okay. And I threw a lob. And for those of you that don't know what a lob is, it's like you throw yourself a self alley-oop. Like you throw the ball, it bounces on the ground and you essentially catch it in the air and dunk it
1: which that in itself alone it's a skill is I can't I can't it's do a it. massive
0: skill yeah and I had kind of done those before anyway through this lob I I took off and completely missed the ball and subsequently all hit my head on the rim like I banged my head on the rim and I was immediately so embarrassed because I didn't dunk it right three of the guys screamed at the top of their lungs and like ran out of the the, the gym and I was kind of like I'm so sorry. (laughs) But they're like, no, no, no. Do you realize like what you just did? I'm like, yeah, I missed a dunk. And they're like, you hit your head on the rim. And I was like, yeah, but like you guys can do that. Mm. And they're all like, not a chance. None of us can do that. So I had realized at that moment that I had from a, a jumping standpoint uh, an athleticism standpoint i had an advantage over a lot of people so i was like maybe i should record myself doing a few dunks and put them on youtube i at that point didn't have anything on youtube aside from like an this dunk contest i did on like the low rim at a community center um i still remember that video i have like a dirty farmer's tan and nice. <laughs> it was too, too much so i post this video i take a few dunk videos and i post it on youtube and, and not long after um got in contact with Chuck, with Team Flight Brothers, and he's like, come down to Florida. Like, let's dunk together. I want to get some footage of you. Uh, at that point, it was I was going to do a show with them as well. And went down there, and he liked what he saw, and I kind of became a part of Team Flight Brothers for a couple of years and then started getting exposure through their channel. I mean, they had, like, at that point, tens of thousands of followers at that point on youtube that was a huge deal
1: well like that's the equivalent of having like 10 million now that's absolutely so they were they were
0: the pioneers aside from some other kind of lesser known um, individuals in that dunk world for popularizing dunk videos so yeah that kind of rolled me into that scene i then You know, separated from Team Flight Brothers, did my own thing under my own label, Project Vertical, managed to do a lot of shows even over like as far as as Russia, Mm -hmm. um, Germany, some places in Europe, the U.S., all over Canada. So it was it was neat. It just allowed me to meet a lot of really cool people, learn from a lot of incredibly talented athletes and coaches and develop a passion for jumping that was even more robust than when I started. You know what I mean? I was I love jumping, that's all I wanted to do, but now it was bigger. Mm. It was like not only do I love to jump, I want to know the most about the art of jumping. Mm. So that became my, my focus over the next handful of years was essentially just studying and relaying that information to my athletes. And that's where I kind of roll into the next chapter.
1: But now before that, like you you have a, a nickname because of, of your dunking. Can you elaborate on your on your on your nickname and how you got the nickname? Yeah, it's Tank. Uh, no, it's not Tank. Uh, <laughs> I thought that would
0: be uh, appropriate, but no, it, it's the Jump Guy. So people would refer to me as the Jump Guy, specifically because someone would bring up, oh, "I got to get so and so some like vertical training," and people that knew me would go, oh, "I know this guy. It's like a Jump Guy. Like yeah. he he's just the guy you go see to jump higher." And that kind of became this nickname that stuck. And I utilized it. I leaned into it. I loved being,
1: and I still love being referred to as the jump guy. It's what I am. Now, because like when I went through my training and and I went through my certifications and and any leader in the industry that talked about um, athleticism, jump training, increase your vertical jump, it was very like you know, do your squats, do your deadlifts, do your plyometrics, your jump training, and you will get better. And like, I never really saw that. Like, every time I deadlifted heavier, my jump got shittier, because I didn't have that explosive elasticity that, that you need when you're jump training. So how did you figure out, like this, this is a missing, a missing link in the industry, and how, do, like, how did you figure out that, that you were needed?
0: Yeah, it was like, how do I carve kind of my space? Yeah. Because it was, it was an area that had been um, kind of populated by a lot of people for many years. Those can kind of roll back and even into the 90s and remember a jump program called Air Alert, right? Where it's, I think that program, for, if I'm not mistaken, first of all, it was poorly designed. It was one of the reasons that it kind of forced me to um, provide my own content because i couldn't believe less in something than Air Alert at the time. Run a mile do a hundred jump squats it was like intense to the point where all you're doing is essentially putting people into body bags so I realized pretty quickly that what I did and what I provided to my athletes that was different from the industry which was as you're saying, you know, get stronger and more powerful and you jump higher, right? More force is better. And it absolutely is better, right? Like you can get stronger and more powerful and your vertical will increase until it doesn't anymore. And it was my my thought that there's more to this, right? People's potential and their ceiling is much higher than they give themselves credit for, because at the end of the day, jumping is a skill, right? Being able to redirect your momentum off the ground is not something that everybody can do, right? I took it for granted for many years because I just did it fairly naturally, but not realizing that the best jumpers in the world all exhibited very similar positions and behaviors, and it was... This kind of inherent understanding that I had of the skill that allowed me to separate myself from the pack. So, I remember the exact moment in where, you know, my social media and what I did in the public eye changed. Mm-hmm. And I was post, you know, at, at the time I had a few thousand followers because they had carried over from the dunk world where they were still kind of following me be somewhat of an athlete in my kind of uh, later twenties. And I was posting what everybody posted. I was posting athletes squatting and cleaning and deadlifting and doing lunges and and more strength and conditioning oriented. And that's a saturated, very, very saturated market. And it really wasn't where my true passion lied. I love being a strength coach. And one day I decided to just post a video of one of my athletes doing one of her jumps from a side angle. And the caption Relayed a vocabulary that I'd spoke for many many years and I described what was happening and what we were working on and I can distinctly remember the post prior to that did about 850 views and this post did just over half a million views in about five days. I remember that and I Had a moment where I thought like that's awesome And I, I had followers ticked up pretty quickly and I thought oh, it's a fluke it's just a really cool slow motion video like no one really cares about what i was saying then the comments start coming in and the comments are what like what is this what is he talking about where do i learn more about this you know where did you learn this Mm -hmm. and as i started responding with well i didn't learn it anywhere like i kind of developed this language now that being said there's a couple terms that are rooted from the track and field world that i extrapolated into the two- foot jumping space and that really became where I separated myself from the rest of the pack was the language and, and the and the technique that surrounds two foot jumping.
1: And just to give the, the the viewers and the listeners an idea of like what like the timeline of this this was about a year into our podcast you had just joined my team as the general manager and you're like, Cool. Like I have this sort of side gig with Mike and, and the Full Debt podcast, um, but like you quickly realized, man, like if I don't capitalize on this niche market in the industry, then like I'm gonna lose out on something. So, so you spent the next, I want to say, what two three years in that to like really refine your your product, refine your vocabulary, and you spent those three years training athletes. Yes. It it was a wave, and I could feel it. And I know we talked a lot about it, right?
0: It was this you could feel the momentum picking up from the the desire to understand what it was that I was speaking about, so I started posting more, I started teaching and typing more. I then <clears throat> tried to figure out ways to relay and teach this information in a more concise way, so then it became, hey, I'll do a, a breakdown where I would take a jump and actually you know, import it into a software that allows me to talk over top of the video and animate on top of it. Well, when I started posting those videos, an even bigger kind of, uh, uh, rocketing of the channel started happening. So to give you contact context at this point, you know, within about a month of that initial video, the channel hit about 10,000 followers and I was super excited cause it was when I was going on my honeymoon mm-hmm. and I can remember waking up in Barcelona on day number two that we were there and I hit 10,000 followers yeah. like the day of our honeymoon. And it was such an awesome, like collaborative experience and, and emotion. Uh, within another, you know, couple months it was 20 and then 30 and I'm going this has got to stop soon. And it just kept climbing as I started to find that kind of leading edge of my message. You know, this is what people want to learn more about. So, yeah, I I spent 2 to 3 years obsessed on trying to capitalize on this in terms of how do I deliver the best possible version of what I understand.
1: You know, and that's so like this is the cool thing that you spent like 2 3 years to sort of perfect that but i want to say like even longer like since you were 19 oh yeah even before before that right even so like that. Your, your your current brand project pure athlete right now wouldn't exist unless you did the stuff like in your teens right mm-hmm. like like you started the foundation then yeah. without even knowing it right and that's one thing that i really want our viewers to, to understand is that you may see people on social media especially in, like in today's world you're gonna see a lot of influencers and 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 companies and brands with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. But and you think, well, that happens overnight. And like, I want you guys to understand that that doesn't happen that quickly. It requires years and years and years. And that's like I mean, like in your testimony to that.
0: Absolutely. It was one of those things where As it was happening, I had to continually remind myself of what led me to that moment in the first place. And it wasn't a focus on trying to get more followers. It was just doing what I knew I did well and being passionate about it and being honest about it. And, you know, you talk about being your like authentic self, no better medium for me than being my authentic self than when I'm in the mode and zone talking about jumping Mm -hmm. that flow state of just you know i'm connected to my message it feels like i can't speak a single word out of place because i love understand and respect the medium of jumping so much so yeah it grew as a result of that and you're absolutely right there are a lot of people out there that have grown a, a large following and a strong business model off of their passion over years. There are also people out there that have capitalized on the social media monsters and utilize that to grow quite quickly. And I think that in turn can also provide a falsified view of what being a professional is, mm. right? Where for a long time it was like, unless you had X number of followers, you're not deservant of my attention. And I think that is also a very poisonous concept in which I hope we start to learn more and more about it. And I think we're starting to see more and more individuals understand what social media actually is. Mm. So,
1: Cool. I yeah, yeah. No, uh, and that's a really good point to, to sort of touch on. Um, so let's talk about present day, you know. And, and one thing that I really want our listeners to, to really um, know more about you is, like, what is your meaningful pursuit now with project pure athlete and the next chapter in your life like where do you see yourself going and 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 what do you hope to still continue to do
0: man uh my like my list is never ending that being said i think the things that will never move down the list are so we have an educational sector of project pure athlete and now have over fifty certified project pure athlete level one jump coaches spread across the globe, which when I was initially presented with the op or the idea of doing this, I thought first and foremost like i can 't I had that moment where I thought about well like who am I to start some sort of certification program right This is not an accredited program by a university, so it shouldn 't even exist, but at the end of the day. I was constantly reminded about the fact that I had a very unique product I had a very unique kind of framework of, of um, information that helped people. And if I can relay that to another person to be able to communicate it effectively to their athletes, and at the end of the day, my major lifetime large pursuit was always get the message to as many people as possible to try to affect change amongst the largest population of athletes that I possibly can. So it's coach to coach and then the coach delivers the message that way it's not me to athletes constantly so I think moving forward my most meaningful pursuit will be to remind myself of my roots in education that was something I kind of brushed over as well I was a teacher Mm. for three years so I went through school for HK and then got my teaching degree and went and taught for a bit while I trained on the side and then made the move into the training world, as I realized that it was also a very strong form of
1: education. I actually want to touch on that because yeah, of that, that's a pivotal change in your mindset. So, you know, like, and I'm sure a lot of people get into this mindset of like, well, you know, I love doing this, I love doing training, I love doing pottery, but they're like, I can't make money doing that, so let me get a safe job, let me get a job that pays the bills, and you know, it creates this this white picket fence life. And then down the road, you're like, "Well, this isn't what I want to fucking do." So, like, talk about that a little bit, and how that kind of like, like you tried that, but then you're like, it, "Like jumping just kind of came out of you even more."
0: Yeah, I think I've I've always been an individual that has not been afraid to trust my instincts in the moment. I'm I'm quick to learn, fail, and pivot, and really not let it affect me that much. And that's something that I think was built through a lifetime of just necessary resiliency, my own personal history, etc. So when it came to the working world, I had no problem trying something, seeing how it felt and then following the emotion that that it provided to me and if that emotion wasn't immediately like I want to always be doing this, I had no problem going to the next thing because it was a skill acquisition moment for me. I'll just learn something else. I'll just do something else. The only thing that never left was this desire and passion to help people become better athletes and jump higher, just something that I always did. So I started asking myself, well, what do I think about all the time? What do I keep coming back to? And it was this, it was jumping. So I said, well, what the hell am I doing? Why don't I lean into it as best as possible? And at the the time when I had initially, you know, stepped kind of essentially fully stepped into that area of my life, I didn't have the support around me and I stepped, quickly stepped back out. I got scared, and it was like I, I wasn't supported, so I couldn't do it. In the moment, I felt like I couldn't do it, and I finally reached a moment in my life where I realized that it's not about that, and yes, it's great if you have an awesome support team around you, and I and I truly believe that if you're pursuing what you like, that that support team will find you, and that's what happened to me is you know, my wife, Kelly, is, The most unbelievably supportive human being and and one of the nicest people you will ever meet in your entire life Mike. I know you'll vouch for that Mm -hmm. like she's an incredible human being Mike was a a very staple person for me in this transition into like the next part of my career was like you you provided the 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 framework you provided the support to say listen like you do need to follow this like yeah like you're working with me but the ultimate end goal you kind of always knew what it was mm-hmm. so you know that's something that you and I, and I to date you know still very 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 fortunate for that um but uh, you know long story short it's i didn't have an issue with following my gut i would rather <laughs> As cliche as it sounds right i'd rather make no money doing what i love than make a lot of money doing what i hate and draining that kind of life force from me every single day so i'm not going to say that jumping all puns intended jumping into this pursuit has been all sunshine and rainbows right uh, it hasn't it's had its unique struggles anything that you want to pursue that is for yourself will always present hurdles and it's up to you whether or not you want to learn how to hurdle or you want to crash and burn. And I just kept, I kept training. I kept learning. I kept, I kept moving. And, and, and here, here's I here's, here's where I am.
1: And like, I know you'll understand what, what when I say this, how like, if I, if I spoke about, like, my goals, my dreams, my business endeavors, the the common question I get from loved ones, from friends, from those that care about me is, well, how are you going to make money doing that? Mm. And, like, that was never a thought in my mind. I'm like, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just make it happen. I'll, I'll make money somehow. Right? Like, I never had that, that, that sort of um, fear of not making money doing it. Right? Like, I can support myself no matter what as long as I have the passion and the heart in it. That's required. To, to have your own thing, what's required is that mindset, mm.
0: that I know I will find a way to make money. Yes, you want it to be leaning on the back of your passion, but having the confidence of knowing that if something for some reason doesn't work out, I will know how to land on my feet. And that's something that I, I always had the confidence. And I know now, if for some reason something happened in which I wasn't able to continue to pursue this, I would be able to pivot and move and push forward. The lessons that I've learned through the adversity of, of growing this are invaluable. They're invaluable to my professional career. They're invaluable to my personal life. Uh, and, and that's, I think, what I appreciate the most out of the whole thing.
1: Cool. So, you know, you're, you're what, almost 15 years in the industry you're about what six years with Project Pure Athlete as as the company as it is now, right? Is that, would that make sense? Or like, if, I'm I'm 18 years now. It, 18 years, yeah. Right, 19 18, to yeah.
0: 37. So I'm 37. I know I look super young.
1: I thought you were 34. That's
0: okay. I shaved the gray out earlier yeah. today. Smart. But yeah, so ni- uh, 18 years uh, as a trainer coach, and the business was 2011. So that's what 10 years mm. um, with Project Pure Athlete. And it really wasn't until five-ish years ago that it started to balloon into what it is now, or, and where it's continuing to move to. You know, allowing me to do things like you know, building my new, my, our dream home right exactly. now, w- which has my new PPA headquarters in the back. Uh, I'm realizing some some dreams of mine through um, accomplishing a, a lot. And I have to remind myself that it's okay to celebrate those accomplishments at yeah, times.
1: And and look down the mountain and see like where you came from, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my, my, my first episode was started from the bottom and I'm here and now we're here. Mm-hmm. I mean, like same thing with you, Rhett. It's like you started at the bottom and you sort of worked your way up. And now you're able to provide for your family. And and that's one thing that I think is super cool is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome saying I have this really dope business. I help people jump higher. But I think what's even greater is that. Hey, you get to support your wife. You get to support your little son. You know, shout out to Jordan and Kelly because they're 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 awesome. Hey, buddy. Um, he, he's probably listening to this before bed, right? <laughs> but like, that is the meaningful pursuit in all of this, right? Like, you're able to create a life that you've always dreamt of, and now you have this awesome, you know, uh, home gym that you're 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 in the midst of, of building, right? And that's gonna be your your headquarters. So I think that's just gonna escalate your your brand even further, right? So because you do the, the, the jump certification now with, with with what fifty coaches you said? Yeah, we have just over fifty now. Right. And you also do like jump overhaul, which means that like you travel around what you went you went to Florida, you went to California, like you've been you've been places to All help around, people yeah. jump higher, right? And I think that's what that's what sets you apart is that you know like you're you're good technically from the science part of things. But I think what people don't understand is that you know, I think that that goes for all coaches. Like, you can know a lot of book smarts, but you just have a way with words and with people, right? And I think what what makes you a lot a lot more different than most coaches is that you don't really coach the the technique part. You coach the athlete, and that's a whole different a great point setup.
0: Yeah, and that's I think something that I've received as feedback and and you know really really appreciate is that my communication skills are strong, and I think. When someone asks me, especially a young coach, they say, what's the most important? What should I be focusing on to be successful as a coach? And I said, develop your ability to communicate. And I think in any area of your life, anybody listening, no matter what you do, the better you communicate, the further into whatever you do, you're going to make it guaranteed. That's the common thread that I think ties most quote-unquote successful people together is how well do you communicate your message, right? It's not always the smartest in the room. It's the one that people want to listen to the most, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not the, like you're saying, it's not, it's not necessarily always the most technically, scientifically talented individual. It's who makes it understandable and
1: kind of palatable for mm-hmm. um, the every person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Um, if somebody wants to um, hire you, learn more about you, mm-hmm. plug yourself—like everything you want to say, say it now. Yeah,
0: uh, you can follow me on OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> not, you so <laughs> Instagram, um, TikTok, and YouTube at Project Pure Athlete. It's pretty pretty straightforward. You can look for the black and white. That's the brand. Um, And really, we post a lot of somewhat almost daily, almost daily free content, a lot of teaching and coaching content, breakdowns, and essentially everything that you would pay for from me is available online for free somewhere. Uh, we also have a great series of general training programs, uh, PDF ebook programs that you can purchase, and remote training as well for athletes out there that are looking to um, really separate themselves from the pack. We love all of our athletes. Shout out to all of the Team PPA
1: athletes. Awesome. Well, Tyler, it was great having you on uh, the second episode of Rebel Radio. Hey. And for all our listeners, you can check us out on Spotify, Rebel Radio. We have a podcast every other Thursday. You might be in a returning guest more than we'll – de- I would be privileged. It, it depends if the audience wants you back. <laughs> uh, but I think we'll have a reoccurring segment. The Tyler Ray Show, I don't know. We'll see about that. <laughs> but anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Keep raging. Much love. Peace. Peace.